Uh, good morning and uh, welcome again for um, our Bible study session through we've been considering ministry. Um, as the service of the members of the body of Christ to the members of the body of Christ. And uh, last week we gave some definition. It's not the definition of ministry. It's our definition of ministry. You're welcome to come up with your own as well. But from First Peter 4, we learned that ministry is service that flows from love. Love for the Lord and the saints. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Specifically through gifts. And its object is to um, what's the word? Communicate. Let me say communicate grace. Communicate grace to the saints. Yeah. And we say that grace is any favor that we receive from God. And that could be spiritual, it could be physical. Okay. And from there we deduced that a spiritual gift then is any capacity to communicate God's favor, whether spiritual or physical, to God's people. Um, in summary, the objective of ministry is to build up the body. Yeah, that's the church, the body of Christ, which is the church. Okay, uh, let's pray as we come to today's lesson. We thank you, our Father, for your kindness. We thank you that we are gathered here only because of your grace and mercy. We are not worthy to stand in your presence. We are not worthy, O oh Lord. We come with trembling. We come in faith. We come with joy, looking to you. You are our God. You are our Savior. You are our Father. O oh Lord, we put our hope, our trust in you. We lift up our eyes to you. We rest in you, on you. Please help us, O Lord, in this hour that we may worship you as we consider your word. Please speak to us. Please teach us your ways. Lead us in your righteousness for your name's sake. 
we humbly ask this for the glory and honor of your name through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let me ask you guys a question. How do you know what your ministry is? Just some guesses. How would you know what your ministry is? <clears throat> Yes, yes. I think one of the ways is if a fellow brother um, identifies the gift and they, they tell you about it. Okay. Okay. Well, this is not working very well. Okay. Is there an... Uh, Alternative to this one. That's a freedom one as well. Okay. So Rob says, um, others help you, okay? How shall we, how shall we step that? Um, let me just see. Guidance through others. Other believers. Okay, how else? How else would you know what your ministry is? Yes, yes, Mark. Desire. Okay, good. You have a desire. Uh huh. Any other way? Any other way you would know what your ministry is? Yes, if you have the gift, okay, yeah, you have the gift, and how do you know what your gift is? How do you know what your gift is? Any guesses, any tries? Okay, do we know, how did you know what your gift is? If, <laughs> if you're a believer, you definitely have at least one gift. How did you know what your gift is? Or you don't want to acknowledge you have any gifts? Yes, Mark. Yeah, about that, yeah. Okay. So again, guidance through others, yeah? Is how you know what your gift is, yeah? Is that the only way you know what your gift is? How else do you know what your spiritual gift is?
maybe we've exhausted the answer, so it's fine. If there's no other answer, it's okay. <laughs> I was just trying to see if you know. Uh, but let's let's look at the scriptures and see if we can get some help in answering this question. Yeah. Um, now, the purpose of ministry is to build up the church. Okay. Building the church, which is the body, the dwelling place of the Lord. Okay. So I want us to learn a few things from um, the ministry in the Old Testament, specifically to do with the building of the temple. Because as we know, the temple is in the Old Testament is the dwelling place of God. In the New Testament, it's the church that is the dwelling place of God. So the temple, the physical temple, and the building of the physical temple, as it were, is an analogy of the church, and the building of the, of the physical temple is an analogy of, the, of how we build the church of God, okay? So can someone please read for us Exodus chapter 31, verse 1 to 6. Just, just wait so they give you the microphone so that uh, those who are online can, can hear. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Juri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab, son of Ahisamak, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. Mm -hmm. to the Good. Asante sana. Someone else read for us Exodus 36, 1 to 2. Anyone? Exodus 36, 1 to 2. Now Bezalel and, and Oholiab and every skilled person in whom the Lord has put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall perform in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Oholiab and every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to the work to perform it. Okay, thank you very much. So, how did Bezalel and Oholiab know? Uh, okay, let me give some context. So, the Lord has given instructions for how the tabernacle is to be, the design, he's given the design for the tabernacle, okay? And now, he calls upon the people of Israel to construct it according to how he has uh, prescribed. And um, these two men, Bezalel and Oholiab, 
are mentioned here, but there are others who are supporting them. So how does Bezalel and Oholiab know what, what their ministry is? How did they know what their ministry is? It's not a trick question. It's, it's very simple. How did they know? Yes, yes, they, they had the skill, but that's not how they knew what their involvement in the construction of the temple was to be. That's not the primary way they knew. Something before that, how did they know? The Lord granted? What knowledge? Of what their ministry is. Yes, yes. Uh, the Lord granted the knowledge to do the work, um, which is the same thing Pastor Marugia said. God give, gave them the gift, the skills, but how did they know they were to. I like that. Uh, but even before that, <laughs> it's very simple. Exactly. Okay, Brother Joram has just said it before. Cyrus, you're going to say something. I see two things here. Yeah. First, it was revealed to Moses. Yes. And then there was that which I can call urge in them because even as Moses was calling them, okay. the statement is those who are also willing. Okay. There was that willingness. So in that willingness, okay. it is a discovery of you are being called in that uh, work. Okay. Yeah, you've all said the right things. Yeah, thank you very much. But the first, uh, how shall I put it? The way Bezalel and Holyab knew that they were called to the ministry is because God commanded. God said, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Ur, and Oholiab. Yeah? So we see in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament that there were people who were called to ministry in a special way. Okay? Um, in this context, God spoke specifically through a word of prophecy and called Bezalel and Oholiab, okay? We see the same in uh, the New Testament. Can you give examples of someone who was called to ministry in uh, the New Testament apart from the 12 disciples in this special way? Yes. I think of... Okay, then go to Mugan. I think of Apostle Paul. Yes, okay. Yes, Apostle Paul. Okay, apart from the apostles, some someone else apart from the apostles. Yes. The deacons. The deacons. Yeah. Yes. Um I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Was Okay, let me process that. Let me process that. 
others can comment if if it's the same kind. Someone else in the New Testament? Yeah. Who was called in this special way or in a similar special way? Yes. Barnabas and Saul. Okay, yeah, they were Barnabas and Saul, exactly, yeah. So they are at least because I, I I put some conditions not the apostles, yeah, but at least Barnabas is is not an apostle in that in the sense that Paul is. So you're very right. Okay, who else? Yes. What about Ananias who was called to go and preach uh, Okay, I wouldn't say that is he was called to a ministry. He's just given an assignment. I don't know whether that's a ministry, yeah. What about Timothy? Yeah, Paul says that Timothy received uh, his call into ministry by laying on of hands and a word of prophecy, right? Yeah. So we see both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that there are people whom God calls um, in a special way, okay? But there were others whom God called besides, let's go back, we'll come back to, to that point. Let's go back to Bezalel and to the Old Testament, uh, the building of the temple. There were others who were called to ministry besides Bezalel and Oliab. How did the others know that they were called to ministry and what their calling was? with respect to building the temple. You've already mentioned some of those ways. Um, just to reinforce, I want us to read a pretty long passage. Um, Exodus 35, verse 4 to 29. But I need, I need us to understand uh, this point. So anyone who can read for us Exodus 35, maybe one person can read verse 4 to 19, and then another one verse 20 to 29. Exodus 35, verse 4 to 19. Anyone? Yes, Jerome. Exodus uh, 35, verse 4. And Moses spoke to all congregation, the children of Israel, saying, is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, red, fine linen, and God's air. Ramskins dyed red, bagaskins and acacia wood. Oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Oxen stones and stones to be set in the uh, airport and in the breastplate. All who are gifted artisans among you, you shall come and make all the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle is the tent, its covering, the scraps and its boards, its bars and its pillars and its sockets, the ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering the table and the spoils and utensils and the showbread, all the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps and its oil for the light, 
and the incense altar, its poles and the anointing oil, the sweet incense and the screen for the door of the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of the burnt offering with its bronze granting and spoils all the utensils and all the lava and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars and their sockets and the screen of the gate of the court, the bags of the tabernacle, the bags of the court and the accords, the garments of the ministry for ministering and the old place, the old garments for Aaron and the priests, and the garments of his sons to ministers as his priests. Thank you. Someone from verse 20 to 29. Someone else? Yes, um, Antonio. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings, and sinet rings, and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Thank you very much. So you guys are very good uh, students. You gave all the right answers, okay? Um, but I want to show you from this passage um, how you arrived at the answers without knowing, okay? So let's focus on some key phrases. How did these people know what their contribution or participation in the building of the temple was going to be? Okay, verse 5, it says, <clears throat> Take from among your contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a generous heart. Okay, that's one phrase I would like us to focus on. Verse 10, let every skillful craftsman among you. Then, verse 21, and they came everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him.
Okay. Um, verse 24. No, actually before that, verse 23. And everyone who possessed, okay, 23. Everyone who possessed. Then 24. Everyone who could make a contribution. Running out of board. There's verse twenty five. Every skillful woman, quickly. Verse 26, all the women whose hearts stirred them. Okay. Whose hearts stirred them. This verse 29, again. All the men and women, people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything. Right. Okay. So, let me point out um, three things generally. Three ways in which we know what our calling to ministry is. Number one, it's what um, willingness or generosity, okay, a willingness to make a contribution to the building of God's kingdom. And for us as a church, for them it was the physical temple. For us, it's the church, okay? Um, it's each other. So, for us to know what our calling and ministry is, we have to have a willingness, we have to have a mindset um, of, we have to have a desire and openness to building one another up, okay? And that calls, that calls for us to have God's interests at heart. Remember last week, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, yeah? That has to be our mindset if we are to experience the call to ministry. Secondly, as we have seen, and you guys have already mentioned, is the ability, okay? And with respect to ability, there's two Two kinds that we have seen here. One is a gift for service. Okay, we've seen about um, the skillful craftsmen and the skillful women, and the second one I will call a gift for enabling the service. Okay, um, 
So there were the men and the women who were skilled in various different crafts. And then there were the people who brought the contribution, the materials that were to be used for those crafts. And I think that even in the building of the church, um, the gifts can generally be split into the same general categories. Um, there are gifts. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood, but there are workers, goers, and frontliners, okay, in ministry. And then there are enablers, senders, you know, they, perhaps we can call them the people who are responsible for the logistics. Can somebody please read for us 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 31, just to illustrate what, what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 31. First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But honestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Okay. Santi Sana for that. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make here is, and this requires humility to receive, not all gifts are the same. Okay. So let me just note down. Gifting. Yeah, not all gifts are the same, have the same significance. Some gifts are significant, or some, let me put it this way, some ministries are significant because of other ministries. There are some ministries which are more important than other ministries, okay? But those ministries lend their importance to the other ministries. So let me give an example, okay? Paul gives here a hierarchy. He says, first apostles, then prophets. Why? Why do you think Apostles and prophets are the most important gifts. Yes, Cyrus. Exactly. They are the foundation. Okay. Everything else that the church is, okay, depends on the ministry of the apostles and the prophets. They're the ones who give us the word of God. Every other ministry is ordered by the ministry of the apostles and the prophets. So if that ministry is compromised, there is no other ministry. Okay. Um, why do you think teachers are third? Yeah. 
in that line. <coughs> Why? Why are teachers third in that line? So the apostles and prophets give us God's word. Why are teachers next in line? Yes, you're mumbling something. Mum mumble it with confidence. <laughs> okay, you give up. Uh -huh. Yes, Gator. And contextualize. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so the the we need so the the apostles and prophets give us the word of God, okay. But the word of God has to be understood, okay. And that's the work of teachers to help us understand what the word of God is, okay. Then there are miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and lastly down uh, down there is his tongues, okay. Partly because those who speak in tongues, as Paul says, uh, don't edify many people, okay? So let me give an example. Um, why do we come to church on Sunday? We come to hear God's word, okay? We don't come to eat lunch. But the lunch ministry is very important, yeah? Uh, the lunch ministry helps us to stay until the evening so that we can hear God's word in the evening as well. So the lunch ministry is extremely important, but only because of the ministry of the word, okay? So not to um, despise uh, Nelson's group today, they're the ones who will be doing lunch, not to despise them, okay? But that's not the primary reason why we have come to church today. I'm just mentioning that, we'll come back to that point, okay? So, generally, two um, categories of gifts, okay? I'm calling them the service gifts and the enabling gifts, okay? Not everyone is called to frontline ministry. Um, everyone is called to ministry. Some people are called to enable those who are at the front line. Okay, so we've seen generosity, okay, um, which we've interpreted in the New Testament to be a kingdom-mindedness. Kingdom um, then giftedness, and then thirdly, actually there's two more points. Thirdly is what I call this tiring. is what you're considering. How do you know what your call to ministry is? Or how do you experience the call to ministry? Okay? You need a generous heart, a willingness to contribute, a willingness to build the body of Christ. You need gifts. Okay? And thirdly, a stirring. So it's a very simple uh, question to help you know what your place of service is, what moves you, okay? But to understand that better, fourthly and most importantly, is what Pastor Murungi mentioned, the need. And the need in the Old Testament was actually specified by God, okay? So God is the one who specifies what the need is. 
God came up with the agenda of building a temple. Okay, it's not Moses, it's not anyone else. It's God who came up with the agenda. And we're, the, the Israelites responded to God's agenda. Okay, and they were stirred as a response to God's agenda. And in the same way, as we are identifying needs in the body, that needs that need to be addressed, we have to allow God's word to be the one to define what that need is. Okay, so for example, um, dancing getting the crowd worked up during praise and worship is not, is not a need. It's not a need that God has specified. So um, I should be very careful how I say this, yeah? Uh, yeah, but there's probably no such thing as a dance, dance ministry on Sunday morning worship service, yeah? In as much as many churches have a dance ministry, yeah, it's probably no such thing. Because God hasn't specified that as a need, okay? Just to illustrate, okay? Um, ministry is not your idea of thinking how can you spice up the church and then doing it. Ministry is identifying needs as God has specified their needs and responding to them, okay? Um, so here's a question for you or some guidance for you in case you're wondering what is your ministry, in case you are wondering where should you plug in, simple question, do you, do you have a kingdom mindset, okay, is your desire to build the body of Christ, is your desire to give yourself for the saints, um, these two are tied, the gifting and the stirring are tied. How do you know what your gift is? Usually you'd know it by what your stirring is, okay? And we've just read it here. Let me read you one uh, verse, Exodus 36, two to seven. And Moses called Bezalel and Oholiam and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come and do the work. Usually, the Lord will stir you to a work that he has already gifted you to do, okay? And fourthly, then how do you know what your ministry is? That's contextualization of your ministry, uh, your gift. So when you contextualize your, the application of your gift in the body, um, that then becomes your ministry and that contextualization is usually a response to a particular need. And that need is defined by the word of God. So what do the saints need? Okay, the word of God will tell you. One of the things that the saints need is um, warm clothes and food. So that can be a ministry for those who have the gift of generosity, hospitality, plus other, other needs. Okay, now I want us to look at examples of people who received uh, a call to ministry in the Old Testament and just to illustrate this point, how this outworks in their lives. But before I do that, let me ask a question. Do you think people today receive 
a special call to ministry. Okay, so I'm making the point, I'm making the case that we can see two kinds of call to ministry um, with respect to the building of the temple. One is a special call like Bezalel and Koholiab. And even in the New Testament, we have identified Paul and Silas, Timothy. But then there's a general call to ministry to everyone. And this is a checklist that you can use to know or to identify your call to ministry. Do you think today people get a special call to ministry? Today? Like Bezalel and Holiab or Timothy? Yes. Uh -huh. How? Explain. Uh, if you mean a strong urge and stirring from the uh -huh. Lord, uh, then uh, most of the men who serve as pastors yeah. feel unable to do anything else. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the stirring is so strong that um, whatever else you do may not mean anything uh, such that you can't help it. You, you know, the, you've seen men abandoning their careers, yeah. even though they are earning so much. Yeah. Uh, you've seen successful men like, like it was the case for um, a man like uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Though he was an assistant to the Queen's physician, uh, he, he, he is, is, um, is calling to be a preacher of the gospel and as a physician of the soul was stronger than anything else. Yeah. And he couldn't help it. And uh, so many preachers would be able to say, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Yeah. Yes, that both the urgency and uh, 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 seeming frustration with everything else that one might want to do yeah. or to pursue. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Pastor Murungi. Uh, um... I wish I could say I agree with you, but uh, you should be the one saying you agree with me because you are, and I am. <laughs> but th th that's right. Uh, even today, I think there are some people who get there are some people who get uh, a special call to ministry, and. Just like Bezalel and Oholiab or Paul and Silas and Timothy, usually these are people whom the Lord intends to be ministry leaders, okay? And usually, um, just like Bezalel and Oholiab were raised up so as not only to do the work, but also to train and lead and supervise others, so also the Lord raises up men today uh, and establishes them as leaders in ministry to um, lead, train, inspire, guide others. Okay. Now, when did Moses 
experience his call to ministry. When did Moses experience his call to ministry? Any, anyone? Wow, we've been reading about Moses from Sunday school. Yes, Cyrus. Okay, okay. Encounter the burning bush. Joyce has something else to say. Are you in agreement or okay? Yeah. So, can someone please read for us Acts seven twenty two to twenty five? Acts seven twenty two to twenty five. Anyone? Uh, thanks. Is, uh, we just wait for the microphone to submit. Yeah, there, there's a microphone. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being ill-treated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon to... Oh, no, no, that's enough. Yeah, thanks, Asante. Okay. So, verse 25 says, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. So, when did Moses know he was called to be the deliverer of Israel? Yeah, when he was 40 years, yeah? Okay. Uh, it's an important point I want, to, I want to make. How did Moses know? How did Moses know? Exactly. Okay. Very simple. Moses was stirred. Okay. All the Israelites were bearing burdens. They had gotten used to it. I mean, in the sense that, fine, they were struggling. They were crying. But that was their life. Okay. But Moses sees this and... Something in his heart just refuses to settle. And Moses, Moses can't put up with it. And Moses is drawn to his brothers. Okay? And he is stirred up to anger so much that he ends up killing an Egyptian. Now let me read for you First Samuel 11, 1-7. This is someone else. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gorge out all your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel, then if there is none to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? 
So they told him the news of the people of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of the messenger, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. So Saul had just been anointed king by Samuel. Um, then he, <clears throat> he went back to uh, plowing, you know, to his, to his day job. Until he got news of the plight of God's people. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And his anger was greatly kindled. Let me read you another passage. Someone else, again, 1 Samuel 17, 24-27. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you, heard, have you seen this man who came up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Okay. So, people in Israel here, there's an army that has come to attack uh, to attack the Israelites, and everyone is weeping, okay? But then there's this one guy called Saul who doesn't understand why people are crying, okay? His reaction is very different. His reaction is fierce anger. How dare they come against God's people, okay? Then another context. We have everyone in Israel cowering, Trembling. Why? Because of some humongous, gigantic fellow called Goliath. Everyone is afraid until David sees the man and hears um, how his countrymen are responding. Okay? And while everyone is trembling, David's response is very different. Okay? David's response is, who does this guy think he is to stand up against the armies? Of God. Uh, let me read another passage. I'm just doing that for the sake of sake of time. Nehemiah, I'll read chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked him, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So here's the point I'm trying to illustrate. <clears throat> One of the ways you know that God is giving you a special call to ministry 
is that he will highlight a need in the body of Christ. He will highlight a need touching either the saints or God's elect. And usually there will be a response to that need with what I may call an extraordinary, extraordinarily passionate response. Okay? That um, is not common to people around you. Yeah? Either in holy anger or in great sorrow. Reading to leading to extended seasons of fasting and prayer, or a consuming zeal for the glory of God. Is it uh, William Carey, or who is it, who said he was in India, the missionary in India, who said he cannot endure life as long as um, people are worshiping idols? Yeah. And. May perhaps some of you have experienced that. Perhaps some of you will experience will experience that. Um, usually, that is from the experience of these people in the scriptures and the experience of saints in history. Usually, that's an indication that God is birthing a ministry. Yeah, calling you to a particular ministry. Now, that's not to say that the rest of us can afford to be dispassionate and disinterested. Um, but the Lord does give, in that sense, a special grace to some people whom he calls specially to ministry. So, that marks for us the consideration of the first stage in ministry, which I call the call. The next one um, is not the commissioning, but there's something in between the call and the commissioning, which we shall consider uh, next week. At this rate, next week is the last lesson. At this rate, I'm not sure I'll complete all that I wanted to say, but uh, let's see how far we get, okay? Now, I just need to give some, a word of caution. For those of you who may have experienced a very strong call to ministry, one of the mistakes we can make is to think that our experience is normative for every Christian, and it's not, okay? Actually, many cults have started by Believers having a particular a burden for a particular ministry and then making that peculiar ministry the whole of Christianity. Okay? And that's that's wrong. So whereas the Lord may grant such special grace and really move us by the Holy Spirit to prayer, to fasting, and really sanctify us, you know, um, 
really grow in us a love for, for, for him, a love for the word, a love for the saints. And we desire the same for everyone else, okay? Yet, we must not think that God is, that other believers will be sanctified by, by them um, being as concerned as you are about your particular ministry. Yeah? Um, and yet, if you have experienced this call to ministry, for those who have, you know how precious, how, um, what a special experience that has been to you. And my encouragement to you is don't give up on your call to ministry. There are people who give up, grow weary, because, as I will show you next week, oftentimes the commissioning comes way after the call. So God calls you to ministry. Um, you have this experience and you know it. And this is what the Lord is calling me to do. And you want to hit the road running. Okay? But God tells you, wait. And as I will show you next week, Abraham waited 25 years. Joseph waited at least 17. Moses waited a full 40. David waited probably 13, more than that. And even the Apostle Paul had to wait at least um, 13 years. Yeah. So there's a call. And then sometime later is the commissioning. But there's something very critical in between. A very critical stage that has to be, has to be, you have to go through that stage to be ready for ministry. And we'll discuss that, um, that next week. Three minutes. Any questions, uh, comments? Yes. Thanks, Manu. Um, thanks so much for the um, um, study and taking us through. So I was just thinking in terms of there seems to be um, a gradation between the four points that you mentioned. Yeah. And one of the things I'm thinking about with regards to need is, for instance, people like um, Elizabeth Elliot. Yeah. Who wasn't exactly qualified for whatever ministry she had to do for a time. Yeah. But then the need was there and no one else could do it. And I'm asking that from the point of view where uh, sometimes we tell each other at church that if you see a need somewhere and no one else is seeing it, perhaps God is calling you to do it. But a lot of times, you know, there's usually, I don't think I'm qualified to do it, so someone else should do it. Yes. Here I am, St. Moses. So I'm just trying to understand where, whether that's something that's different, that is not necessarily starring or you know the the second one, or it's or there are things that flow into each other. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you that just because you see a need doesn't necessarily mean you are the one to fulfill it. Um, there has to be qualification. There has to be the gifting. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about there was no one else to do it, so she had to do it. Maybe the Deborah scenario. Um there might be a place for that. I I don't know that I don't know that if like in the case of uh there's a, a another missionary, a lady in India, I forget her name. I don't know that she should have refrained from teaching God's word because someone's husband wanted to sit in. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that that necessarily limits the ministry, but that's a special case. It's a special case, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's another point also to say, just to encourage us. Again, one of the ways that we know what our ministry is, is that there's fruit, okay? When God gives the gift, okay, when God gives the gift, the ministry is effective, and so there is fruit. If no one is profiting from your ministry, you're probably in the wrong ministry, okay? If every time you stand up to preach or teach, everyone falls asleep, it might be that they are very poor listeners, or it might be that you should be helping in cooking the lunch. No, 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 not to say that that is worse. No, 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 I'm not saying, I'm just saying that, yeah, you know, so, yes. Okay, let me pray so that we don't uh, spend too much time. <clears throat> Thank you, our Father, for uh, your word to us. We desire, Lord, that we may be equipped for every good work, that we may be spurred onto love and good deeds. So please speak to us and grant to us to receive your word with meekness and help us to obey. Lord, may we not deceive ourselves being merely hearers, but may we do, be doers of the word. Lord, if there's anyone here who you have called to ministry, um, perhaps there's a season in their life when you moved them with deep affection for the plight of God's people and they spent seasons in prayer, perhaps in fasting, perhaps in weeping, crying out to you, O oh Lord, um, for the glory and honor of your name and their zeal has cooled down and they've gone ahead with other business and forgotten. Lord, please help them not to, not to forget. Help them, Lord, not to be discouraged. Help them to endure um, the season of preparation until they're ready to be commissioned for ministry. Help them, Lord, to continue working towards um, that which you put in their hearts, that which you start them up to do. Grant, O oh Lord, that we will have the humility to know when we are mismatched with our, uh, our gifts and our ministries are mismatched and help us, Lord, to have the humility to find what is our right gifting, to think aright about the measure of grace that is, has been given to us and um, to function in, within that grace that we may be most effective to minister grace to the saints. So please hear us as we continue in worship 
for the rest of the day. May our worship be pleasing, acceptable to you. Through the matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.